but he had something for me to share with you guys today and the Holy Spirit just kept putting it in my heart. He gave me this picture of a, of a dad sit, just sitting in a chair. He had a little boy on his knee and I come from a rodeo family. When you sit on your knee, dad's knee, you're riding a horse, jumping back and forth. And the, the little kid was, was sitting on his dad's knee just playing back and forth and jumping all around. And he'd fall off to the side and the dad would catch him. He'd fall off to the other side, his dad would catch him, but he'd keep him on his knee. And at the same time, there's a young, another young boy that's sitting there watching this go on. And I don't know if it was fear of falling off of his daddy's knee. I don't know if it was fear that he couldn't get up on his dad's knee. But for some reason, he was, he was standing off and he, he wasn't... He wasn't making that attempt to climb up on, onto his dad's knee. And the Lord showed me that this little boy that's, that's riding and going back and forth, he said, that, that's my son Jesus. He said, you know, he's not afraid. There's no fear in him. And he's, he's going to stay as close to his dad as he can. And he's going he's gonna to play and he's going to do these things, but he's going to be with the Father. The thing is, we're grafted in because of Jesus. That other knee is for us. There's, there's no need for us to, to be standing off. No need for us to be afraid. He's saying, climb up on this other knee. I won't let you fall. I'll catch you. Come and experience the joy that I have for you. Could you sing that one more time? The give me Jesus part. If that's you today, I just pray that, that you release that, that fear, release that unsuredness. And that, that goes for me too. I have trouble sometimes going to the Father and saying, man, am I accepted good enough? Before I came up here, I got a, a, a letter passed to me. And it said, you're worthy. That's what he's telling us. We're worthy to come and sit on his lap. So if that's you... These altars, this this floor, it's always open to you. Come and, and lay it down at, at Jesus' feet and climb up onto God's lap. Jesus, give me Jesus. You can help this world. You can help this world. guys if 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 we can just stay right here for just a little longer and, and let let those that need to to receive that receive it if you have no issue climbing up on your dad's lap stretch out your hands to somebody that does
That's a good way to start it off. <laughs> uh, you know, tur- turn around, pat somebody on the back, tell them hi, glad that they're here, and we'll get rolling. Well, good morning. <laughs> Nerves are here a little bit for me, but... <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know if I've met all of you. I, I've been in the church for about 10 years now, and uh, I've, I've met a lot of you, but I, I'm the kind of guy that... I'm good with coming and sitting in my seat and not not talking too much. Even my friends, I don't go and say too much to them. I'll say, hi, how have you been? And then I'm going to my seat. So so talking is, is something that I have to force myself to do. My, my, my dad can do it. He can talk to anybody. But... I have to really work to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to step out and do this. And if I haven't met you, my name's Nick Ford. Um, grew up in this area my whole life. I'm married to, to Caitlin here. <laughs> I always call her my wallflower because I, I prayed for a, a nice Christian wallflower girl. And if you know Caitlin, I got one. So, <laughs> But uh, looking at my notes... They kind of got blown out of the water already. And not, not, that, not that God doesn't have a plan for this message today, but I'm the kind of guy that if I buy a present for somebody a couple weeks ahead of time, I'm not very good at keeping the secret. Um, if I get it the day before, I can handle keeping it a secret for a day and letting them open the present, but... That's kind of how I am on this message. I've, I've had this message in me for, oh man, months now. I, I was supposed to give, give this message back in early, or late June, early July. And uh, I've kept it a secret this whole time. And then we, we sing the worship songs we did today, and now I got I to spoil the surprise a little bit. But uh, it's, it's a very... It's a very kind of tough message. Tough in the fact that there's some rough things that I went through. There's some rough things that God says, you know, we're going to have to go through sometimes. But the song, you know, you can have all this world, give me Jesus. That's where I want to go. The, the first song, you know, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. That's where I want to be. I, I want that obedience to, to God to be the point that this world can crumble around me. But if I get one day in your court, give me Jesus. So, th- so that's kind of where we're going today. Um, Pastor Lynette told me probably, probably about six months ago, she said, I, I think you have a story you want to tell people. And uh, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, I know I've been through a lot, but is, is that the story that, that I'm supposed to tell? And she says, no, you, you have something you need to say. And so I started doing the, the morning announcements, and I started, you know, I've been on worship team, and every so often I'll, I'll, I'll say something after a worship song. But um, the thing is, I, he did give me something to say. And, it, it, I mean, it was through trials that I got this message, but he gave me something to say. So if you don't know much about me, or even if you do, you may have heard this story before, but back in November of of 2020, we had a a baby, foster baby that we were taking care of, and we had had her since January, and we had looked to adopt her. She, she was going to be our, our little girl. And, you know, coming into November, an, an aunt showed up, and we love her aunt. But she showed up and, and said, no, I'll, I'll take care of Legacy, and uh, I'll, I'll have her as my own daughter. And so that was, that was tough on us, tough on my whole family that, 
that we had this little girl that we had made part of the family and she was going to be with someone else. And so, you know, we, we, we knew it was coming up. So we went out and we took family pictures and we did all these things and, and we said, okay, you, you know, you got a week to go down with your aunt. We we're trying to transition her into getting familiar with living with her. And then she was going to come back with us and we were going to get to say our goodbyes, going to get a love on her one last time. And then she was going to go be with her aunt. Well, you all know 2020 was, <laughs> was a wreck all around. So 2020 hits and COVID hits, and her aunt and that whole family got COVID. So while Legacy was down with her aunt, they all got quarantined. And so the week that we were supposed to get her back and say goodbye was taken from us. And she went back to be with, with her aunt, and we didn't necessarily get to say goodbye that time. <clears throat> thinking that was one of the tougher things to go through. We got some more news. I uh, I was getting ready for work one day, and I, I felt up on my neck, and I, I felt a lump on my neck. And this is within a week, maybe two weeks of, of Legacy going back, but I felt a lump on my neck, and I'm like, Caitlin, what what is this? Is this or do I have glands that are getting too big? What what's going on here? She's like, you need to go get that looked at. So I took off of work and I I headed into the doctor and they X-rayed my chest and they X checked out my neck and sitting alone at the doctor's office, he looks at me and says, I'm sorry, you you got you got some sort of uh, lymphatic cancer. He said, I don't, there's not a whole lot we can do right now, but I'm sorry. And he kind of walked out of the door and left me sitting there. And, and uh, I, I felt alone in that situation. I felt like, man, what in the world is going on here? Well, I'm going to lay out the whole story, whole story for you, whatever the Lord lets me share with you. But it was a journey. So we went from from uh, the doctor in Windsor, and we we decided that we were going to go down to Texas to MD Anderson, and uh, and find out you know what we needed to do to treat this. And at the time, they had they had measured it. It was about the size of a hot dog sitting on my chest. And I was having trouble breathing, and I was having trouble just uh, keeping food down. But I, I was getting around. We we had Thanksgiving. I cooked a turkey and like. It was just a chore to do all that. But we went down to Texas, and uh, my appointment was on December 12th. And uh, so we, we were staying in a hotel room just waiting for for my appointment to roll around. Well, we went out walking down the streets of Houston, and I got a block down the road, and my lips were turning blue. I wasn't. I wasn't doing good at all. And so Caitlin said, we're, we're going to the emergency room with you. Uh, but back to COVID again, we go to the emergency room and they check me in. And once again, there isn't really a goodbye. Caitlin walked in and they said, no, you can't come in here because of COVID. You got to go. And so they they kicked her out. And uh, once again, that, that alone feeling was sitting there. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so from there, I went. They started me on some medication, different things, started me on blood thinners, trying to figure out what's going on with these tumors. And uh, they sent me up to a room, had me all checked in. They said, no, you you weren't diagnosed right. You didn't have a lymphoma is what they were trying to say I had. They said, you didn't have lymphoma. You have lymphatic leukemia, which is a, uh, a disease that kids get. And I'm like, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, they sent me to ICU. I was down there for three days, and, and they 
you know, they pumped me full of medication. They, they hooked me up to dialysis because my, my kidneys were failing. Um, they never told me, but they told my wife. They said, man, if, if he makes it through the night, we'll have a chance to fight this. But we're going to have to see if he survives through the night. I'm so thankful <laughs> that I didn't know that. Uh, I was actually sitting in my my emergency room bed when they were telling her this and uh, I was sitting there eating a sandwich watching uh, Swamp People or Duck Dynasty something, something like that I, I was oblivious to it I, I thought I was finally keeping some food down So, um, but they, they started me on treatment and uh, from there it was just a, it was a constant battle I, would, I ended up losing all my hair I, I lost my, my beard hair. And as always, to add insult to injury, there's a little bit more to the story. Okay, my hair falls out, but you got some that doesn't fall out. So you're like, okay, can I, can I get a razor to shave this? Now you can't have a razor. If you, you cut yourself because of the blood thinners, we can't stop the bleeding. So not only did I lose my hair, but it was patchy and I looked... <laughs> I looked in the mirror and I, I looked like I was 80 years old. I, I had took a picture of myself at the time and and I went back through all all our things that save our pictures and I deleted that picture because it, it scared me, to be honest. It, like it did not look like me. But I, I would have to go and I would have to get uh, spinal injections where they would put chemo into my spinal column. But to add insult to injury, my my vertebrae lined up different where they couldn't just put the needle in it. They would have to stick me seven or eight times to to get it to work. Um, and then by the time I got my last one of those, they, they came back and told me, oh, we, we actually give you one more than you needed. We didn't, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't need to give you 21 of those. We give you 20 of them. But uh, <laughs> I, would, I would get uh, bone marrow tests, different things like that, and and I would lay in my bed, and I would I would hear the alarms go off on my monitor, saying, hey, "Oh, your your heartbeat's dropping." And I would lay there, and I would look up because I I would just be falling asleep, and it would go off. But every time I fall asleep, my heart rate would drop, and I'm talking dropping to 30 beats a minute. It it was it was something that I didn't know if I would close my eyes and. I'd, I'd be in heaven, you know, because at that point, I didn't know if I would make it. And so, that was all down in Texas, and they finally got me, got me on the mend, and got me, got me rolling good enough that I could come up to Colorado, and I would go in for my chemo treatments in Colorado, and then it was it was five days worth of chemo, so I would lay in a hospital bed for five days getting chemo constantly. And then I would get released to go home. Well, then I would be home for two days and have no immune system, and I'd spike a fever. And every time I'd spike a fever, I had to go back in the hospital. And then I'd be in the hospital for another week because they had to get my fever down for 24 hours. Well, then once I was in there for a week, I'd be let out for a couple days. It was time for another chemo treatment. <laughs> So it it was a constant cycle of this and and the last time I went in I this this was the first time fear kind of got to me and I'm not I know what the Bible says about fear it says God didn't give us the spirit of fear but it, I was fearful but I I told Caitlin I said I don't know if I'm coming out this time it it just it had wore me down so much that I, I couldn't feel like I could fight it anymore. I I felt like if I went in there, it was kind of like when I was I was trying to trying to sleep and my alarms for my heart rate would go down. I didn't know if I'd open my eyes up. <clears throat> but thankfully, I went in one more time. And. God showed me some pretty cool stuff in there, but I went in, I spiked a fever, and 
This time my fever was 110. And they had to get ice packs. They had to get me in like an air blanket that would just cool my whole body off. But I, my temperature got to 110 degrees. And thankfully I'm, I'm not a vegetable now because that just doesn't happen. But through it all, I don't, I don't tell you all of this just to, to scare you. I don't tell you all this because I want you to look at me and say, oh, look what I came through or what, what I went through. Feel sorry for me. That, that's not what I'm wanting to do at all. This whole message is just like I was saying at the beginning when I said, just give me Jesus. I want to empower you guys to say, you know what, this, this stuff, even though I went through it, God never left me in any of it. Amen. That's right. he, he had me. Um, before I ever flew into Houston, I, w- I asked, asked the Lord, I said, man, do you even see me down here? Do you see what I'm going through? And he said, look out the window of your plane. We're just coming to land into Houston. And... Uh, you look at all the housing developments, and all of them had like brown or or dark roofs with the the shingles, the tiles, whatever they had. Everything was looked exactly the same. And then, just as we were about to land, there's one roof. It might have been a Dollar General, for all I know, but <laughs> it had a red roof on it, bright bright as could be, stood out from all the others. And he said, "I do see you." I, this is how I see you. Out of all, all the things that are going on, I can pick you out of, out of all this. Yes, he said, I see you where you're at. So, like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to, to scare anybody with this. I want to empower you and say, God's got you in whatever you're going through. <clears throat> so, getting into my message here, we, uh, I was supposed to go and be involved in the Where Are My Davids uh, messages that we did back in, in June and early July. And uh, because of some of the, the things I dealt with with the chemo and how it, it hurt uh, the sockets of my hips, I had to have a hip replacement the week that I was supposed to get up here and share with you guys. So the Lord said, don't, don't lose that. I, I still want them to hear this. But the, the series of Where Are My Davids, it, was, it all came about from our prayer team that they, they had this, they had been in, in prayer and they had this, this urge laid on their heart that, that God was calling out saying, Where Are My Davids? And so then we had different pastors come up here and, and give their take on what, what God was saying and say, like, well, this is this is the character of David. This is this is what David was. Are you like this? You know, it, it was kind of there was different versions, but everybody had something that they brought back and said, "Where are my Davids?" And by the end of it, I'm I'm shooting my hand up, saying, "I'm I'm here. I'll, I'll be a David. Like I'm more than willing to be a David." But part of me, with my message that he was laying on my heart, is. Do we know what we're signing up for sometimes? Um, I, I feel like the church does a disservice, not necessarily this church, but the big C church does a disservice to people to say, you know, come and follow, follow Jesus and then leaves them to not know what that looks like. And it's not always sunshine and roses. It's not always a fun trip. To say, yeah, I'll, I'll step out. I'll follow Jesus. <laughs> we were this. This ain't in my notes, but we were looking through the uh, the apostles and the disciples of Jesus, and every one of them followed Jesus. But have you ever heard what happened to them? It, it wasn't glamorous for any of them. John was the only one to survive, and he had been boiled in oil, and he had been sent to an island to just die. There was some tough stuff they went through. But I guarantee you, every one of them 
you know, if we can speak to them when we get to heaven, was it worth it? If we ask them, was it worth it? Uh, I, I guarantee you everyone is going to say, I'd do it again. And so getting back to where are my David's at, I, I want to I make sure we're aware of what signing up to, to be David, like David would be. Because what, what is David known for? Goliath, being a king. Yeah, I mean, when I think of David, I, ever since I was little, I've heard of him slaying Goliath. Stepping out and facing, facing that giant that's in front of him and chopping him down to size. But how many of us have heard the story when, when David went and fought the other giants? He was a warrior, yeah. He sure was. And he was willing to step out and face whatever giant came in front of him. But if you would, turn with me to 2 Samuel 21. We're going to read verse 15 through 17. This is the, this is the next giant that he faced. And it says... Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbi Binob, which was the son of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass, he being girded with a new sword, thought he had slain David. So... That fight didn't go the same as, as the last one. David stepped out, and this is book of Nick, but I, I don't believe he stepped out there thinking that anything other than God was on his side, just like he did against Goliath. But he stepped out there, and it says he waxed faint. So I looked up, what, what does waxed faint look, uh, what does that mean? And the definitions I've got, are that he fainted from darkness of swooning or to fly away. So, to faint from darkness of swooning. Swooning, when I picture it, I, I picture the girl that just kind of, oh, but, <laughs> but, but to faint from darkness, I, I, I've been knocked out a time or two, and things go dark. There, there ain't no swooning, there ain't nothing, you're, I'm, I'm guessing David probably took a pretty good hit right here and was out. Um, it, it says that this giant thought that he had killed him. So David wasn't just exhausted and stepped out there and passed out. I'm the pass out guy, by the way, with, with my stuff I went through. I, I've passed out and I, you can kind of feel it going, coming on and falling over. But I think I think David truly was hit pretty hard in this. He stepped out to face the giant and took a hit that he wasn't, wasn't ready for, and it knocked him out. Um, it says the other definition was, or to fly away. And for me, it just brings up the song, Oh, fly away, oh glory. He, he might have been thinking he was pretty close to, <laughs> close to doing that too. But uh, with all that being said, where was God in that? Like, like I'd said before, I think that that David probably stepped out there and said, just like he said to Goliath, you know, I'm not, I'm, you're out here cussing my God, and I ain't going to put up with it. Book of Nick again, <laughs> but you know, I don't think he he was still a man after God's own heart, even in this situation. So I I don't see him going out there arrogantly saying, oh, I'm the giant slayer. I'll just, I'll step out here and, and kill him. It just so happened that he ran up against a, a tough opponent that knocked him down. So where was God in that? Was he gone? I don't think he is gone either. So if we, we keep reading on in that verse, it said, uh, I'll, I'll start where he thought he, he thought he had slain David. But Abibshai the son of Zeruah secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, 
Thou shalt not go out no more with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. So, David's, he's laid out on the floor here. But what happened? God didn't allow that giant to come and cut his head off like he did Goliath. No, his, his mighty men stepped up. His mighty men said, no, we ain't letting the, the light of Israel go out. We're going to take you down. And they, they took out the giant for him, right? So God had not left the situation. God was still on the side of Israel and had come in and won the battle. The, the battle was not lost because David was, was hurt. The battle actually was won because the people that said, I'm going to step up and fight with David, I'm going to step up and be there with David, they stepped in and, and took care of the mess. And going back to my situation, I, uh, I felt alone in everything, right? I felt alone when I went into the ER. I felt alone when, when I was given the news. But every step of the way, I had people in this church praying. I had people from my parents' church that were praying. I had people just around the country that were praying and holding me up when I couldn't get up. So (laughs) God never left me. In fact, he, he stepped in and said, you know what? I'm empowering all these other people to say, you know what? We can, we can, yeah, you got me. You got me. And you guys, you guys kept me going in a lot of it. So, going back to the question of where are my Davids at? David took a thumping. David took a beating. And eventually David got up off the mat and he he got up and and went on and, and was king and continued to to reign over Israel, but it wasn't without some trials. It wasn't without a beating that, that took place. Not because he was in the wrong place. He was a warrior. Travis said it. That's what he did. But he also had to take a step back and say, okay, now that I, I've, I've had this giant and I battled him. They, I need to be in a different place. Um, but who is still willing to say or stick their hands up and, and say me when, when God says, where are my Davids at? Because it's not glamorous now. It, it's not something that, that we, we get to just come to church and, and get our, our, our backs padded and say, I'm good to go for the week. No, sometimes we're going to have to have to battle. So are we still willing to raise our hand and say, I'm here when, when he says, where are my Davids at? <clears throat> That's a question that I wrestled with before I ever, before I ever went and, and had any sort of diagnosis, anything like that. The verse that kept coming to me, it, it was just, it was only part of the verse, but it said, Here I am, Lord, send me. I, I sat probably right over there, and, you know, it was just on me, just, just like the song we sang, Give Me Jesus, it was on me to say, What am I doing with my life, Lord? I, I feel like things have kind of got stale. Things have have kind of been just just dry. Like, I'm going through the motions, but I'm not necessarily making headway. I said, Lord, if you have something for me, if you have a place you want me to be, send me. I, I'm willing to go. That, that was my words I said. And I, I came over here, right over to the, the communion area. I took communion. And I walked away and thought, oh, we'll, we'll see what changes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Did I, did I know what was coming? No. 
I had no clue. There was a lot of changes. But I didn't want to take that verse out of context that uh, here I am, Lord, send me. It's in Isaiah, and it's verse 6, 8. But I read through that entire chapter of Isaiah, and it is, it's tough sledding to understand what's going on. Um, Isaiah is very prophetic. Isaiah is, is um, it's not necessarily clear cut. But what I got out of that verse, and I, I talked with Darren about this, is, you know what? Isaiah was one of the last people that was willing to step up and say, here I am. Um, and, and the Lord said, if we have to take this thing down to the stumps, this world down to the stumps, and we only get a remnant of people, we'll do that because we know who's going to stand with us and who's going to, who's going to go when we say go. And so the, verse, the whole verse is uh, Isaiah 6, 8, and it says also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. So I stood at that communion, I took communion, I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. And you, you all heard the nasty, you heard the, the junk that I went through, you heard the, the fight that I was in, but I left out a lot of it. I left out the testimony. There is so much good that came out of everything I did. And so I want to share the testimony with you. Because like I said, I, I'm not here to, to put fear in anybody. I'm here to say things were kind of sorry. But man, it was worth it. Every bit of it was worth it. So <clears throat> my original date to go into the doctor was December 12th. And I, I told you I ended up going in earlier because we went into the emergency room instead of waiting for my appointment. I got into the emergency room on December 4th. They were already talking like if I didn't, if I made it through that night, then I'd have a chance to fight. If I had waited till my actual appointment date, I wouldn't be here. There, there's no way I would have just for the fact that I couldn't eat or drink anything. I, I wouldn't wouldn't be here. But God made a way to say, you know what? I'm going to stick you in here. And then he he goes above and beyond. I go into the emergency room, and the specialist that's working in the emergency room that night happens to be the world-renowned specialist for lymphatic leukemia. Exactly what I had. He was able to find. The, the kind of cancer off of, what was it, six? So I guess there's markers in your blood, but six markers is a low number of markers to find it, and he found it in six markers. So he got me on a regiment to start fighting this cancer, and I, I'm not a numerology guy, but number seven is the, the number of completion. And in seven days from the time I, I went in, I took a PET scan and they could find no cancer in my body. None at all. <clears throat> I mean, he's, he's awesome that way. He, so it's almost like he, he sees, he gives you a little bit of the miracle and he says, okay, are you going to come with me a little farther? And I say, okay, I'll, I'll come a little farther. All right, here's some more of that miracle. Here, here's that doctor that you need for your, your case. You want to come a little farther? Okay, we'll come a little farther. So then, I didn't know what peace that passes understanding. <laughs> we kind of all heard that word in, in church, but I didn't know what that meant. So I'm laying in bed, and my heart rate is dropping to 30 beats a minute, and I can't sleep. So you know what I do? I pray. I say, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the night, but I need, I need some rest if I'm going to fight this thing. Can you give me some peace to do this? And 
Two seconds later, I slept through the night, didn't wake up again. He gives you the peace that you need. He gives you exactly what you need in every situation. Um, I said I went to the ICU. I would sit and I would talk with the ICU nurses. Um, I would get up. I'd walk through the ICU. People weren't doing that in ICU. They were bedridden. I was up walking. Um, I I went to see which one was. Oh, so they moved me to my room upstairs, and I would walk the the halls because they said, you know, to get to get healthier, you need to be walking. So I would start walking. And it was a big lap. And I would lap that hallway, and I would just pray over every door as I walked by. This is COVID times. So somebody had to be in there praying for these people. I, I stood over here and said, Lord, send me. I'm willing to go. That mean that I had to go through some junk? Yeah, but I was able to walk through and pray over every door. And I had a nurse walk in and said, man, it is so strange today. And I said, what, what's going on? And she said, well, normally we're, we're booked full in all these rooms. I said, oh, yeah, how many, how many rooms are full now? She said, three. This is a, a, a floor that holds 60 rooms. <laughs> I mean, that's how good God is. He's, he's awesome that way. And so... It's just, it's one of those things that you, you sit and you, you st- take a step back and you say, Lord, I, I don't know why I was in that situation, but now you're starting to give me glimpses of it. Now you're starting to give me that taste. And you know what? Yeah, it stunk. Every bit of it stunk. But I got to see your miracles. I got to see your hands working and, and, and doing stuff. I, I laid in another room and it was right outside of the the helipad or the emergency helicopter where it would come and land. And the doctor walked in and said, hey, that's got to keep you up all at night, doesn't it? I said, what's that? He said, oh, the helicopter that lands out there. I said, that helicopter has never took off or landed while I've been in here. And I was in there for a week. So he does awesome things. I, I, I said that I had a a fever of 110, and I'm lucky to not be a vegetable. You know what I was doing while I had that fever? I was sitting there talking to the nurses. They, they would take my temperature, and it would read 110, and they say, oh, this can't be right. You wouldn't be talking to us right now. All right, go get another, go get another, another thermometer. They'd come back, too high to read. I'm still here, <laughs> like, still here talking. So, it, it was so awesome to see what what God would do through me. And I'm not doing it to get credit for me. I'm doing it to give him the glory. Amen. I, Amen. I want him to get <laughs> every bit of this because I'm just, I'm just a vessel. But, and that sounds corny to say, but when you see how awesome God is, you want to step back and let him do it. But it takes being in that place that you're willing to say, I will go and stand where nobody else wants to stand. And I'll be there. Um, Ephesians 6 says, when, when you've done all you can do, stand. Well, that's, that's how I felt a lot of times. I, I couldn't get out of bed or I, I was wiped out or, you know, I, like David, I was... I was thumped and knocked down on the mat. But he said, just stand stand in this place for me. Can you do that? Okay, I'll stand. And he comes in and he fights that battle for us. Um, if we read Ephesians 6, 13, I want to read it out of the message version because I, I like how it describes it a little bit better. But it says, be prepared you're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon that God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Amen. There, there are several parts to that that 
just sum up everything that we're talking about. We're up against things that, that we can't handle on our own. And I, I, I've heard people say, and I, I've probably been one of the people that say it, but, oh, the Lord won't give you more than you can handle. Well, that's not biblical. That's, you know, it, it sounds good. It sure would be nice that I step out and the Lord wouldn't give me more than I can handle, but the the difference in in what the truth is and what that that little saying is, is the Lord won't give us more than he can handle. Amen. And so we can, we can sit here and we can try to do it out of our own power. We can, we can take up all the armor that he gives us, but if we're trying to do it out of our own power, it won't work. But he won't give us more than he can handle. So we can't handle it on our own. Let him step in and, and fight our battles for us. And and be in the place that we're we're supposed to be. Um I've got a cup well, you're gonna laugh at me because my spelling ain't great and uh some of these are a little awkward, but hopefully they're awkward enough that they stick with you. But each and every one of us has giants that we we fight in our lives. Mine was mine was cancer. Mine was you know, I got to go back. <laughs> One more testimony that he gave while I, I was in the hospital. I had just came out of ICU. I would say two to three days out of ICU. I was in my room. This is about the time my heart rate is dropping. And the Lord says, will you go over here for me? And what he is asking me is, will you be willing to adopt a baby? Because I, I told you about, about our foster baby. We didn't get to adopt her. But we, another testimony for that, she's now our God baby and she comes on and stays with us every summer. So we still get to see her. But he said, will you come and stand over here and adopt this this baby for me. I don't know if I'm going to live to the next day, but Lord, if you're calling me to adopt, adopt a kid, okay, I'll do it. How about six? <laughs> huh? All right. I'll adopt six. Three days in, in the hospital, or three days out of ICU sitting in the hospital, we signed papers to adopt six embryos. Babies that had been been frozen for eight years waiting for somebody to give them life. And right now, there, there's one of them is, is right back in that back row there. The, what he can do through us is, is flat out amazing. So I'm going to give you guys a few different uh, kind of bullet points to, to remember how to fight giants. So what... What giants are in your life that they don't have to be cancer? They could be, man, my, my finances. They could be, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to eat today. I don't know. They could, giants don't have to be, be giants, like so big that you, you'd never fight them. But the giants that I'm talking about are the ones that you've avoided. The giants that are in your life that... You've said, I, I don't want to deal with that right now. Well, is the Lord calling you to step out and say, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to step out and I'm willing to take on that battle. Now, don't go off half-cocked and, and make battles in your mind that don't need to be fought. <laughs> that will get you in trouble. But... Are there things that God's calling you and saying, I want you to be here. Will you go? Where are my Davids? Will you step out when I ask you to step out? And so I, I broke it down into the word giants, G-I-A-N-T-S. And the first bullet point is get in the place that God called you to be. Well, how do I know where I'm supposed to go? How do I know to step into this spot and and 
how do I know that that's even where you're calling me? The biggest thing is be obedient. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what I was going to come up against. But I stood over here and I said, Lord, send me. Whatever you got, send me. And he will direct your path. It doesn't have to be something where you're going out looking under every stone to say, okay, I got to fight this battle. I got to fight that. No, just be obedient to say, when you call me, Lord, I'll go. And be talking to the Lord. That's, that's one thing we, we need to, to do on a regular basis so we hear his voice. And when he says, I want you to go, we know that voice. We can be asking him and saying, is this where you want me to be? No, I don't want you there. I want you over here. Okay. I can hear that voice. I can go that way. <clears throat> so that's G, get. <laughs> I told you, it's a, it's a little rough. But get in the place that God called you to be. I, for giants, is in the garden. And I, I want to go back to the story of Jesus. He We say, where are David's at? But I want to emulate, emulate Christ, whatever I do. Um, and he faced all the giants for us. Amen. And when he was doing that, he would go in the garden. And if you want to turn with me, it's in Luke twenty-two forty-two. But he went into the garden... And there was a time he didn't necessarily want to want to take on the battle. He it, he knew it was going to kill him. And so if we read it says and he withdrawn he was withdrawn from them from a stone about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying father if it is your will take this cup from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. He didn't necessarily want to take it on, but he said, Father, not my will, but yours. Nevertheless, I want to follow you. <clears throat> it's, it's a weird feeling when you make that decision. And that's what he's calling us to do, to say, hey, do you want to follow me? Yeah, I'll follow you, Lord. Okay, will you follow me over here in this this uh, mountaintop? Yeah, I'll follow you, Lord. Will you follow me in through the valley? Ooh, do I want to do that? That That's the decision that we need to make if we're going to uh, take on these giants. But Jesus was willing to say, I don't want to do this, but... If you want me to, I'm, I'm ready to go. That's that obedience again. He, are we obedient to what, where he's calling us, good or bad? <clears throat> now, this is my spelling one. So we got G-I-A-N. And you're going to look at me and say, no starts with a K, but I'm going with an N. <laughs> but it's, this one is, know that you are not fighting alone. If you even look back to the, the story of Jesus in the garden right there, what happened after he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done? It said an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. We can get caught up feeling like we're, we're going through a battle alone. I did it. I felt like, I felt like the Lord didn't see me, but he did. I felt like, man... I can't even have my family in the hospital while I'm here because of COVID. I'm, I'm fighting everything alone. No, I wasn't fighting alone. I had the prayers of the saints. I had the prayers of, of all you guys. I had prayers of people all around the country lifting me up. I was never alone in any of it. And because I was where the Lord had me, he was able to say, I got this guy that's going to step in and, and have the right plan to, to bring this healing. 
I've got the right doctors that are going to be able to bring your fever down. I got you. Whether you think you're, you're just going to fall asleep or, or you may just pass away, I got you. He had me. We're never alone in this situation. So know that you're not fighting alone. Look back at David. He was passed out, couldn't get up off the mat. He had his mighty man to step in and, and slay that giant that, that he wasn't able to. <clears throat> so you look at, at so many people in the Bible that even though they went through trials, they went through tests, you had, had friends that were stepping in there. You had God that was stepping in there. And you had Jesus that, that was willing to, to sit there and go through the same stuff we went through so that we didn't have to. Next letter. So we got G, get in the place that God called us to be. I in the garden, the story of Jesus in the garden. Did I skip one? I did. I told you I couldn't spell. Yeah, I, I told you my spelling ain't great. So we're going to jump back up to A. <laughs> a is amazed. Be amazed at the miracles that God does through you. Don't, don't get in this, this self-pity or this self uh, kind of just feeling like, woe is me, I'm going through some hard times, I wish people would feel bad for me kind of attitude. That attitude can only hurt us. But if we take a step back and say, man, I'm, I'm going through something, but there's a purpose that I'm going through it. There's a reason that, that God is bringing me through this. And on the backside of it, you can look back and see each and every one of those miracles that he put in place. And man, that, that right there lifts me up as much as anything. I got another testimony for you. So, oh, it's been, it's probably been eight years ago. We went up to uh, Mighty Men's and Steve Sampson was given words over, over people, prophetic words. And he said, you're going to be in children's ministry. That's what he told me. All right. So I, I ran off to my, my church and, I was I was the youth pastor at that church for about six months. Didn't have a youth one come through there. There wasn't there wasn't children's ministry at it. But I just told you I, I adopted six kids. That brings me up to with my foster daughter, that brings me up to eleven kids total. <laughs> I don't want to do that yet. <laughs> um so I'm up to 11 kids. But I told you that, that that disease I had, that cancer that I had, was a disease that affected kids. While I was in the hospital, I was able to sign on to trials that they were able to do tests on me so that those kids didn't have to go through that. And this is just stuff he shows you, you know, after you, you get through it. Maybe while you're going through it, but for me it was after. But I'm able to look back and say, man, children's ministry, huh? What, what kind of ministry is it to be able to, to step in and say, I'll take the slings and arrows so those kids didn't have to? Yes, sir. That's awesome. Yes, sir. And once again, it was worth it. <laughs> All right, so be amazed by the miracles because he is still in the miracle-making business. We don't... That's not something that we read in stories from the Old Testament. He's still there, and he's still got us. So then, I said in. No, didn't spell no right. We're, we're good, though. So the next one in Giants is T. And I want to go back to David for a second, because David knew what sacrifice meant. He knew that, that to sacrifice something to God was going to come at a cost. And this is the story of the threshing floor. So that's our T, threshing floor. And if you go with me to 2 Samuel 24, 21 through 24, 
It says, Then Araunah said, my, Why has the Lord my king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Araunah said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yoke of the oxen for the wood. All these, O king, Araunah has given to the king. Then Araunah said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king, David, then the king David, then King David said to Aruna, "No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing." So David bought the threshing floor. But it's that last little bit. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord with something that hasn't cost me something. Sacrifice comes with with a cost. And sometimes there's collateral damage. Sometimes there's there's people that that they end up and getting to go see the Lord before we do. But why would we ever want to offer something to the Lord that that means nothing to us? That didn't cost us nothing. That didn't didn't take a little blood, sweat and tears to say, "You know what?" This is worth giving to my Lord. That sacrifice has to cost us something. And David understood that. And I, I think that's another reason that he was a man after God's own heart because he knew to love the Lord means sometimes you've got to give, give stuff up that's important to you. All right, and we're going we're gonna to bring this thing in here with, with S. So we got G-I-A-N-T... S. S is you're stronger than you know. Never once would have I thought that I could have went through what I went through and made it out the other side. But just like the angel that came to Jesus in the garden and gave him strength, there's more strength in each one of you than you know. So once again, I ask, where are my Davids at? Are you still on the fence to say, oh, I don't know if I'm ready ready for that battle? Are you still hanging back thinking, no, this isn't, this isn't what I was promised when I accepted the Lord. <laughs> I thought once he had my life, things were going to go nice and smooth. They can. <laughs> I ain't saying they can't. But if he calls you to a place that you're unsure of, are you willing to step in and say, here I am? So for me, sticking with the theme of giants, I like to think what the Lord's going to tell me when I get a seam face to face. And my hope is that when I get up there, his words to me, of, of course, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And I, I believe I will hear that. But I also want to hear him say those giants didn't stand a chance. Amen. I mean, yeah, it, th- some of them are tough. Some of them will, will catch you upside the head when you ain't, ain't looking and knock you a little dingy. But when when you can't do anything, stand. Go go back to, what was it, Ephesians 6.13. And having done all to stand, or if we want to read the other version, take take the help that you can, every weapon God has issued you, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Those giants didn't stand a chance. So I, I want to challenge you. That That's kind of how I think. How does the Lord, what what do I want to hear the Lord say to me? But you all have different giants than I have. What do, you, what do you want the Lord to say to you? And I, I want you to just think about that and, and come up with what you want to hear. Because, yeah, we go through junk. We go through situations that aren't fun. 
But man, on the other side of it, looking back, so worth it. So worth it. Um, I don't want to close up without offering someone the opportunity to to give their hearts to the Lord. Um, I know no pastor Darren likes to say when Jesus went and and would call someone, he wouldn't say, "Oh, you gotta run, you know, come up an aisle. You don't gotta do all this stuff." But he would say, "Will you follow me?" So. I'm giving you that opportunity today. We'll have a prayer team up here. But is there anybody that maybe you maybe you have give your heart to the Lord and and you step back and you said, "Man, I I didn't know there was more to it than just giving my heart to the Lord." That's the that's the first step, and that's the best step you can take. But did you know that there there could be some stuff that you're going to have to battle through? If you didn't know that, maybe you just say, I, I want to, even though there's tough stuff, I want to battle through it with you, Lord. I don't know. I, I just want to give that opportunity to you. Um, if there's not, I'm going to turn this over to Alex. Sorry, I didn't give you much warning there, Alex. <laughs> Thank you, guys.